Yes. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly biography show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into the commonalities of successful people and the ups and downs of risk-taking. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, Sun Gray. After four decades of running a small business called Arkansas Flag and Banner, now simply flagandbanner.com, my team and I decided to create a platform for not just me, but other successful people to pay forward our experiential knowledge in a conversational way. If you are a Roman Catholic living well just about anywhere in the world, you may have met my guest today, Sister Deborah Trollette. Sister Deborah, well known for her 22-year career of excellence as the teacher, principal, and president of Mount St. Mary's Academy, an all-girls high school in Little Rock, Arkansas, has been busy. After retirement, Sister Deborah took a leap of faith and moved to the state of Maryland. For six years, she served as counselor with the Sisters of Mercy of the Americas, an international community of women serving in North, South, and Central America, the Caribbean, Guam, and the Philippines. I told you, you could have met her anywhere Anywhere. in the world. (laughs) Today's sister has moved back to Little Rock and is using her connections and experienced communication and administrative skills to further the interfaith haven known as the Arkansas House of Prayer on the campus of St. Margaret's Episcopal Church. The Arkansas House of Prayer is set in nature and dedicated to contemplative prayer meditation and quiet for all peoples of all faith and of no faith at all as sister deborah says it's the space that doesn't have an agenda it is with awe and admiration that i welcome to the table a woman with a glow a presence a peace that passes all understanding and a knowing faith that many of us wish we could achieve. Sister Deborah Trollette. How's that for an introduction? <laughs> That's quite a gift, but I've, I appreciate it very much, and um, I'm really happy to be here. I know we tried to do this once before, and yeah, it didn't did. work out. That's so right. uh, thanks for persevering to invite me again. And again, I just am so really impressed by all the work you do and how Really, what you do just builds a community. It just well, builds builds a community in a way that we so need these days. And thank I you. also love what you said about listening, because that's really what the House of Prayer is all about. It's about silence listening. and listening. It's about getting into a space where you can actually hear mm, that's something hard to different. Do. It is, especially now. Well, you know, I have to ask you the first and most obvious question. Have you always known you wanted to be a nun? No. really i didn't know that ever happened okay tell us your story i grew up in hillcrest i went to school at our lady of holy souls and then went to mount and of course my dad had his business in hillcrest so hillcrest was like the world for me and uh you'd think as uh you know going to catholic schools all my life you you would think that yes at some point that little thought doesn't does cross your mind and uh, in, in grade school, certainly it was at a time when there were still a lot more sisters in the classrooms. So um, we were confirmed in like the third grade, and the bishop would uh, come and give us his little talk and then confirm us in the faith. But he said something that, for whatever reason, stayed with me. He just said, you know, let your prayer every day be... God help me know what you want me to be. Just God help me know what you want me to be. So somehow that stayed with me. And I guess part of my deal was I had pretty strong stereotypes of sisters and nuns, which weren't always real positive. So I don't know that I saw myself as one. Well, they were all your teachers and things at that point, right? Well, they were, uh, but they were wonderful teachers. I will say that. And it wasn't so much the stereotypes about them. It was more how the world stereotyped nuns. Mm. You know, that was, that was like not appealing to me. I mean, that was the time of the flying nun and the singing nun. And the, I thought you were going to say mean nuns. When I think of stereotype, I think of not flying nuns, oh, well, the, mean nuns. Well, the mean nuns and the ruler. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and the ruler yeah. and yeah, all yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that most of my life. I got to Mount St. Mary, and the sisters there were, they just seemed different to me. They were very young, vibrant, 
they were strong they were leaders and again it wasn't like immediately I started saying hmm I think I want to be a sister but it was just uh I think it was there was definite impact there there was no aha moment there was an aha moment but it came from outside of me it came I was listening you might say well it came from inside and outside I was a student body president and I had just been elected and I had a, 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 a theology teacher that junior year and and she just came into our first class one day and she just said something like well okay do you want to know Jesus do you want to know Jesus and of course it hit something in me funny it was almost like there was this resistance that went up and I was like what I've been in Catholic schools all my life of course I know Jesus what is, what is she talking what is it but I think it was defensive because she was getting at something that perhaps in my faith journey I had not really you know grappled with a personal relationship and uh so that day that question just didn't leave me so the first question I guess wasn't do you want to be a sister or do you think you're going to be a sister or are you called to be a sister it was do you want to know Jesus? Do you want to have a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ? So, you know, that that stayed with me that day, and I can't deny it. So you might say that was one of the aha moments. So the first question really wasn't about being a sister. It was about this relationship. So then, uh, fast forward, I was student body president, and guess what? The sister that had that class became the sponsor What's that mean? The sponsor of the student council. Oh, I got you. So, you know, it's like I had to work with her. She had mm-hmm. to always go through her for everything. And um, so it was uh, January of my senior year. Of course, everybody was making their college plans. And and I had some plans. I wanted to go to the University of Dallas. And uh, that was my dream school. And uh, And I go to her classroom after school on a Friday. We were painting the faculty room for Christmas. <laughs> that, it was a big old building. It needed painting. That was a student council project. And so I go in. I have the paint chips, and I say, okay, which color do you think, blah, blah, blah. So she picks one, and then she just looks at me, and she says, have you ever thought about being a sister of mercy? And it was like, oh, no. <laughs> because I had. They're trying to recruit me. Yeah, well, because, <laughs> because you had. Because I had. And she could say that? But I didn't tell a soul. I wouldn't <gasps> tell anybody. I wouldn't tell my best friend. I wouldn't tell. Because I was, I mean, I was a typical senior. I mean, I was, you know, I was dating and dancing and partying. and I mean, I was doing the senior stuff and always had been. And it was just like, oh, my God. So it's not just something that I'm making up. She saw it, and because it was almost like I went home, and it was a strange mix of fear and excitement. It yeah, was, you look like you're going to cry right now. Yeah, there about was it. there was fear about it, but there was joy also. So it was kind of a a, a bit of a confirmation uh, to at least take the next step. And then, you know, that was January, and kind of went back and forth. Got back into senior stuff, made the plans. The cost to go to the University of Dallas at that time was beyond what my family could do. So I was really disappointed because they were saying to me, we know that's where you really want to go, but we better have a backup school. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, I had my backup school, got accepted. And then lo and behold, April, I got a letter from the University of Dallas, and I had everything. I had everything I needed to go. Part of why I wanted to go to the University of Dallas was because they had this amazing program that your sophomore year, you spent a, a semester in Rome. Oh. And, and, and I had I knew people who had gone there. So I, that was all part of why I wanted to go. I wanted to travel. I wanted to see the world. So I guess the way I interpreted it was I didn't, because there was moments I thought, well, maybe I'm supposed to go now, you uh-huh. know, because my school's not opening up. and oh, I really you, thought, went, I, you thought maybe I was supposed to go be a nun now. Right now, yeah. Uh-huh. But yeah. what did you study in Dallas? I studied the regular freshman curriculum. Oh, you did? But but I got down there, and of course, this is, I guess, this is how God works. It was just like kind of a song in my head. I couldn't get it out. It just kept coming. It kept coming back to me. So finally, I decided it wasn't, you know, you might say, oh my gosh, I wasn't like this wholehearted, 
yes, I'm, I'm going. It was more like, I've got to go find out. Mm-hmm. I've got to go test this out. But then I remember right before I was supposed to go to St. Louis, going to the Sisters of Mercy, it was, you enter as a, just as a, what they call a candidate. So you're not really committed. Uh-huh. You get to go and see. Uh-huh. And so it's a, wise, it's a wise process. Right. I mean, and actually it takes a number of years. It takes a lot longer for that life commitment than most people spend preparing for marriage. I mean, I can tell you that. I mean, this is years and years. <laughs> well, I so, hope so because uh, you're married to... Well, you you got a lot to sort out for. You got a lot to grow into and, and figure out. But uh, and say yes to. I guess that's that's the bottom line. What you say yes to. How long did you go to? Uh, well, I was there two years as a candidate, and then uh, if you progress and it's a mutual decision, the community has to say yes, we see this, and you have to say yes, I I want to take another step. Then you go to what is required by the church called a canonical year, novice year. Uh, novitiate it's really kind of the engagement period I mean it's really a more intense study of theology and the vows and of course the Sisters of Mercy are very much a active order you know there are different kinds of religious orders of women Mm -hmm. and ours is very active called apostolic so we do a lot of works what kind of works oh Teaching, education, health care, social oh. work, you name oh, everything. it, just okay. about anything. Of course, other religious orders are contemplative. Ah, uh, right. Monastic, mm-hmm. they, uh, like the Benedictines, are a monastic order. They live uh, on a monastery. Live in a monastery. Like echo. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. yes. And then in Little Rock, of course, we have uh, the Carmelite Sisters. Their whole life is dedicated to contemplative prayer. Is that uh, on, at Mount St. Mary's? No, they're over on West 32nd Street is uh, where their monastery is. So Sisters of Mercy are real are, are, are of another form of religious life that started probably 17th, 18th century. Oh. Are and still? it was much more um, hands-on, mm-hmm. you know. So you mm-hmm. picked that order? Or it picked me. Uh, there we go. <laughs> uh, so it's, was this was the Sisters of Mercy in Oklahoma? Because you were there nine years. Is that what your nine years was about? It was at a high school that the sisters uh, sponsored there. Is it a co-ed? Co-ed. But in 1989, you moved back to Mount St. Mary's. It's all girls. Yeah. Is is it just because you graduated, or was there an incident that precipitated that move, or did you think I was going to stay in Oklahoma? Um, The opportunity came to come back to Little Rock, come back to Mount St. Mary, be an administrative intern. And then the invitation came, well, you can come and be a part-time teacher and really just have an internship here Mm -hmm. in administration. And uh, that was appealing, and it was appealing to, to be closer to my family again and, you know, be back. So, so I did that for two years, and then it was, you know, who knows? It, it certainly wasn't in the plan when I first said I was coming back. <clears throat> but then the current principal decided uh, to leave her position, so the position opened up. So I was right principal. there. For I how many right, years? Actually, only six. And then you became president. And then became president. What's the hardest thing about being principal? The, the, the parents? parents don't take this wrong but we have one sister who always said you know my goal in my life is to be principal of an orphanage (laughs) 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 but you know it's because you're funny they are funny (laughs) we try to be very real you talk about in a minute ago about the personal relationship with jesus yeah Mm -hmm. what does that mean well of course for me the prayer part is a big part of that and it's the gospel and what the, what the teaching of the gospel is. And it's trying to live the gospel. And it's because I believe what Jesus came to bring this world and why we need it so much. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I mean, my goodness, it's, it's the relationship of trying to really follow his path and follow his way. And, of course, uh, believing he's the son of God, believing he's a savior. It's kind of like, of course, I have the... The necessary humility to know God's God and I'm not, but the the personal part brings me into a kind of relationship that just makes it easy to talk to God, easy to talk to Jesus, easy to relate, uh, easy to feel forgiven, easier to feel encouraged, easier to be challenged by what he said and did, and then to know that's the call. I mean, it just it just makes it 
not just what's in a book. It just makes it more day-to-day, like a walking in his presence. Yeah, but now it's, it, it's not always felt presence, you know. It's not always feel good. It's, you know, that's a walk of faith. Like having a personal relationship with anyone. Ex- absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And there's a oh. th- yeah. no, Not yeah. always sunshine and roses. And <laughs> they're not always present, but they're still in your mind all but the time. they're with you in your heart. And it's like that's where you think. Oh. I mean, of course, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, God dwells within. Of course, with contemplative prayer and the house of prayer and what we're about, we really encourage people. How much do you pray a day? Well, I mean, I, you might say... Uh, in some ways, I have a couple of periods a day where I pray in a more contemplative way, quiet way, meditative way. Uh-huh. All right, this is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Sister Deborah Charlotte, past president of Mount St. Mary's Academy in Little Rock, Arkansas, and current executive director of the House of Prayer, an interfaith community dedicated to quiet meditation. We'll be right back. Happy Labor Day weekend from everybody at FlagandBanner.com. You can finish up the summer with some very unique items at our website, FlagandBanner.com. USA flag beach towels, picnic table coverings, napkins and umbrellas. We've even got Monopoly games with USA or Razorback themed boards. And football season is here. So show your Razorback spirit with hog themed barbecue aprons, koozies, pom-poms, backpacks and more flagandbanner.com Happy Labor Day weekend from all of us to all of you. We're so much more than just a flag store. All UIYB past and present interviews are available at Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy's YouTube channel, Facebook page, the Arkansas Democrat Gazette's digital version, flagandbanner.com's website, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Just ask your smart speaker to play Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. And by subscribing to our YouTube channel or flagandbanner.com's email list, you will receive prior notification of that day's guest. Back to you, Carrie. You are listening to Up In Your Business with me. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with a nun. To me, they're like royalty. (laughs) Sister Deborah Trollette is the current ED, Executive Director of the Arkansas House of Prayer, an interfaith community dedicated to contemplative meditation for all peoples of all faith and of no faith at all. Together with Sophia Saeed from the Interface Center, they are hosting their annual Love Thy Neighbor event on the grounds of St. Mark's Episcopal Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. But before we talk about that, I want to talk about how you are so qualified to be doing what you're doing. Because talk about God uh, uh, aligning you down the path to get to where you are. I feel like... You have spent your whole life in training to end up where you are right now because in your early training in meditation and the understanding of interfaith, you traveled in 1985, like I like to say, as a starter nun. I don't know what you call it. <laughs> Fresh out the gate. <laughs> starter nun. You toured the world for seven weeks to study religions in native lands. Talk about the impression that made on you and how now interfaith, and I think before you even do that, you need to tell our listeners what interfaith means. Interfaith is truly the desire to interrelate to people of other faiths and totally respect the faith tradition that they are coming from and understand it and know the truths about it. There's a lot of misinformation, as we know. Mm -hmm. So there's wisdom in every major religion. And uh, so while it is true, interfaith dialogue can help you find common truths that you can share. There's never an attempt to kind of, let's just say, uh, whitewash it or, or or make it less than what it truly is so that you can feel comfortable about it. It's, it, it should stretch you. It is hard to talk about. So mm-hmm. you even mentioned that you have been trained, when I talk about being trained, you've been trained in how to do interfaith dialogue, which I think is very important in what you just kind of were referring to. It's how you talk to each other. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think people realize that so many religions are so alike, have so much commonality. I guess that's the divine, in, uh, you know, that somehow at the, at, the, at the core, you find the divine, and you find the truth about God as love, as compassion. I don't know. think people realize that Muslims uh, believe Jesus was a prophet. 
Right. And I don't they, think they know that they Jesus have is great in great respect for the prophet's mother, Mary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I don't think people realize that. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to, to cherish in each other's faiths, but unfortunately, that's not always how we receive information about each other's faith. So we, in, we see them more as threats than as opportunities to grow and deepen our own our own embrace of our own faith tradition, you might mm-hmm. say. It's not like you're you're exploring what faith should I be. It's more like how do I embrace the truths of other religions and grow deeper in my own. Yes, I believe some believers are isolationists in mm-hmm. all religions. Mm-hmm. And and that's dangerous because it creates we they mm-hmm. we they mm-hmm. well said so in 1985 as a starter nun <laughs> <laughs> you went to uh you traveled the world and studied religion in uh other lands talk about that impression it had on you well it was life-changing and uh i have a friend from first grade who always says join the con and see the world and it truly happened for me and um, wow. but it was uh, my roommate I, I joined a group there were 150 of us from all over the world, not all, not all U.S., uh, but everyone could speak English. We met in New York. We had an orientation. We traveled from there to every the, the sites of origin of every major world religion. Every re- major world religion was well represented. How many are there? About well, I mean, we studied, uh, of course, Judaism, Christianity, Buddhism. Islam, uh, and then, in, of course, with Buddha, Hinduism, and uh, so those. Uh, we, then we went to Korea. We studied Shinto, and so there were there were. But in terms of, you might say, there's the the Abrahamic religions, mm-hmm. which is Judaic, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, and, and you then, call them Abrahamic because our the common father of faith Abraham. is Abraham. Mm-hmm. So I don't think people know that. Either. Yeah. But my this is this is an important little piece okay. to it. My roommate was a Buddhist nun from Nepal. Her name was Anoja. And she was beautiful. She wore these bright pink robes. She she was beautiful. And of course, I guess they put us together. We were the two nuns on the whole trip. <laughs> a Buddhist nun, Catholic nun. But anyway Oh, so this wasn't a group of nuns. No, no. This okay. was these were mostly college age oh, okay. young people. And uh so we would, the schedule was grueling, but it was wonderful because where we were going, what we were seeing, who we were visiting. We were like ambassadors. We had incredible speakers, teachers. Um, Huston Smith, who wrote the world religion, the classic on world religions, he was part of the faculty for this thing. So, but my point was the schedule. And, of course, I would be like, you know, barely making it barely getting up in the morning, barely getting my coffee. And I would look over in the other bed, and there would be a nausea. She would be sitting up perfectly, having this peaceful, serene, meditative state. I would be just like barely rolling out of bed. And I just remember one day I just looked at her and said, Anosia, tell me what you do. Tell me what you're doing. And so I have to say she probably taught me. She was the first teacher for me about meditation and I thought well gosh surely within Christianity there is a meditative there's a tradition about and sure enough then I started finding it so that's when I started studying Christian meditation what is Christian meditation well certainly it's rooted in our relationship with Christ is it not prayer it is prayer it's a form of silent prayer it's a way of quieting your mind it's a way of you might say, um, using, well, the first form that I studied was uh, a Benedict monk, John Main, is, and he used the mantra as a way to quiet your mind. You repeat a word or a phrase continuously, and that is your intention for prayer. How do you, and, how do you find that? Pr- how do you know what that should be? Uh, you just pray about it and got the spirit I, the spirit will reveal you. So everybody has a different one. Everybody can have a different one. And it's not so much what the word is. It's the intention behind the word. What your intention is to deepen your relationship and to be in the presence 
of the presence, you might say. And so it is a process whereby you can quiet, your mind quiets. But as you started your program with, I thought it was so important, the skill of listening, it's, it really is a gift that we need to cultivate, mm-hmm. the capacity to listen to the spirit within. Because be- as Christians, we believe we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So, of course, the spirit can speak to us a lot of ways outside of us. But so often we, we don't trust what we're hearing or we can't even hear what's inside of us or we don't trust it. Well, there's or there's that, so much noise. There's so much noise in my head. Exactly. How do you quiet that mind so you can listen more deeply? And that's a Christian meditation skill that's, or something you're that's, trying to learn. That's one, that's one form of Christian meditation. And then probably after I practiced that, and actually uh, you mentioned Subiaco, Abbott, uh, Jerome Codell taught me more about Christian meditation. Used to go up there for retreats. And then in the late 90s, I became introduced to centering prayer as another form of Christian meditation, meditative prayer. So I've, I've been a practicing medi- centering prayer probably for about 20 Are years. Are all nuns like that? No. No. See, she's been in training for this job she's got. <laughs> well, you know, all nuns, let's just say this uh, in a way, and it's true. Technically, I'm a sister, not a nun, and that could be another whole conversation. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a little different, but it's all history. It's all historical. Nuns historically were in a cloister. They were oh. They were like contemplative. They were in a cloister or, or a convent or a monastery. Mm-hmm. And while we still use that term convent, um, mm-hmm. we we're more active. Mm-hmm. Like so, the sound of music. The yeah. Hills yeah. Yeah. There you go. How do you solve the problem? Like, like Maria. Maria. <laughs> that's the Sisters that's of the Mercy. Name. We yeah, were like that's Maria's. The name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, so long story short, so centering prayer became a. Uh, a prayer practice that I have embraced, and then I had the, the great, amazing pleasure to meet Father Thomas Keating, who he really, he could see in the 70s why so many people were going to the East to learn meditative practices, and he just said, people don't even know within Christianity we have our own meditative practice, and so he kind of, he brought Centering Prayer, and he educated about it, he's really made it available to people, you know, in a way that it just wasn't accessible so much before. Christian meditation, I'm going to have to start that. So I may put that as my Lenten. That's what I need to do for Lent. Come That's to the House of off. Prayer. It's That's quiet. right. We're yeah. going to talk about that. That's okay. what we, You're going to teach me how. The <laughs> eight-week Fulbright Seminar in India gave you the blessed meeting with Mother Teresa. Teresa. Was it, did, it, did it change you at all? Oh, well, yes. I mean... <laughs> Well, what happened was we were on this seven. It was it, it was because of the first seminar in world religions. When I went to India, it was such a profound experience. I said to myself, I've got to come back here. I have got to come back to India. So here it was five years later, and I got the opportunity to apply for a Fulbright. I was a teacher at that time, so it was a special eight-week program, Fulbright seminar, uh, Dynamics of Change, just India. Amazing experience. So, again, we were treated like ambassadors. We met with the vice president of, of uh, India. We, we traveled the whole country. But we made a special trip to Calcutta. And when we went to Calcutta, Mother Teresa started her ministry by literally finding the people who were dying on the streets, picking them up, bringing them to a, pl- a safe place where they could die with dignity. That was her first ministry. So we're on the bus, and we drive, we drive up to the house of the dying, and the, the, the tour director says, you do not have to go in if you don't want. This could be very difficult. So uh, I, I said, okay, i got to go. i got to go. A bunch of us went. And I have to say, the minute you walked in, there was nothing repulsive about it. No. Nothing. No. It was all love. It, it, there was nothing in you that wanted to run or leave. So um, right before we left, I was the only nun on that program. The tour guide said to me, Sister, we can wait on the bus for a few more minutes. There's a little chapel here. Do you want to go into their little chapel? I said, oh, yeah, I really I would like that. So I went into their little chapel and just sat there a few minutes. 
and then uh, and then came out. So the reason I'm telling that piece of the story is the next day we go to Mother Teresa's uh, mother house, and there she has an orphanage for children. And so we meet her, and with each special guest that we were blessed to be served by and taught by, uh, they would pick someone from the group to present a gift on behalf of the, the group. So they invited me to give the gift on behalf of our group. We gave a contribution of funds. And so it was very simple. She came in, she said a few words, and then uh, you know I handed her the envelope, and that was pretty much it. And so uh, we, we went and visited the children, and again, it was a, just the feeling in the place, even though, you know, you look around and you think, oh, my God, it's pitiful. But it, it, all the love and all the care there just transcends all that. So, again, right before we leave, he came up to me again. He said, he said truly, it, it, there's the chapel. I know where it is. You just go up these stairs. If you'd like to go to the chapel again, we'll wait for you. It's, you know, this is your time so I said yeah I really would like to do that again so I ran upstairs and I'm in this kind of dark hallway and I'm looking to where to go in and all of a sudden this little sister comes to me and I'm just trying to say I'm just looking for the chapel I'm a sister and you know but she didn't speak a word of English mm -hmm. so she just waves to me sit down sit down I mean that was all I just sit 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 so I, I thought okay <laughs> so I sat down and then, lo and behold, the next thing I know, Mother Teresa herself is coming down the hallway toward me. I, I stood up, of course, and I was just speechless. And, uh, of course, she's, she speaks English beautifully. And so she took my hands in her hands, and she just, she just kind of calmed me down. And before I could really say anything, she says, I want you to come. I want you to come back tomorrow. Come for Mass tomorrow. She says, you, you are welcome to come. So I said, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so the next day, so my roommate, my dear roommate, she wasn't Catholic, but she was willing to go. So we got our little rickshaw, and, and I mean, of course, they have mass like at 5.30 or 6 in the morning. So we were up way early, get our little rickshaw, and go to the chapel. And so that speaks to the things in life that you cannot see. No. There's no reason exactly. that all of that should have happened. That's right. And just to have it was just the such house a, of death to be so lovely. Was, I mean, what? Yeah. How, how can you explain that? Except that We are doing stuff wrong here, yeah. here in America. We're doing something wrong. So Sister says, there is spiritual poverty and loneliness in the developed worlds. Hmm. And you don't think about that. You think we've got everything. Materially? We do. That's another reality. I, I have to say, you know, when I was serving at this institute level and I went to Guyana, one of the poorest countries in the mm -hmm. whole Western Hemisphere, we have our sisters there. I went to Peru, went to Argentina, Panama, uh, uh, Jamaica. When you see the, the poverty there, it can be very, very... Uh, Mm -hmm. repulsive in a mm -hmm. way I bet. but then mm -hmm. when you connect humanly with the people it changes you hardly everything else kind of drops away and it's that it's that human connection with people who are humble and and loving and caring and have all their children and they're just trying to do the best for, for them and and they share whatever they have with you which is amazing yeah. whatever mm -hmm. little thing they have it's you got to have it you know it, it's um uh, so there's a lot about <laughs> we could learn about hospitality i guess and what really matters <laughs> you said in a recent interview these experiences were real extraordinary gifts that hopefully i can draw on in this ministry for the sake of promoting the kind of prayer meditation and respect for interfaith prayer programs and is all of those experiences the reason that you wanted to teach world religion at Mount St. Mary's, or had Mount St. Mary's always taught world religion? I don't know that they always did. I think there were different uh, times in the, in the theology curriculum when that was offered. Um, when I was there, I taught a course called Adult Faith, and I, I tried to keep it in, the, in a wide venue, and I tried to let the students tell me what they wanted to study, the 
and I the premise was, you know, adult faith is not childlike faith, a childhood faith. You know, you you've got to open the questions, you've got to be willing to engage the questions, and uh, and find reliable sources, mm-hmm. wisdom sources. So, world religions, they wanted it. Mm-hmm. They really wanted it. Um, so, all religions believe in an afterlife. Mm, no, not necessarily. No. Do all religions believe in love thy neighbor? Love thy neighbor. Is you one, can it, find it articulated in different ways, but yes, yes. So this this opportunity that we have, and it's the eleventh or twelfth year, because they started on the tenth anniversary mm-hmm. of nine eleven, mm-hmm. and um, out of fear. Kind it of. had to be kind of, let's just do something counter to the fear. Let's do something that brings the community together. So the together. Muslims, Muslims are afraid. The yes. non-Muslims, the Americans are, are afraid. afraid. Yeah. Everybody's just kind of afraid of each other and yeah. lashing out in every way they can. And projecting a lot of our own stuff on others. And extreme Christians that bomb the Oklahoma City, uh, you know, Oklahoma City bombing that kind of seems like it was the beginning of all of this is an extreme Christian. And then you've got the extreme Muslims. So you can't... Let's just call radicalism. Radical. When, when the religion gets radicalized... Radicalized. It's not true. It's not true to itself. I see. So in 2011, you've been at Mount St. Mary's Academy for Girls for 22 years, and you decide to retire. Was there something that happened? Or did you just go... Did you... I no, mean, again, I say, you know, this is how my life is. The things just happen. And I guess I, I'm just... I was at a chapter. The Sisters of Mercy have a, well, it's kind of like our Congress, but it only meets every six years. And we elect our leadership over the whole deal. Sisters of Mercy, one of the largest in the world. Our leaders for all Central, all the Americas. And uh, we set our direction, our priorities. So I'm a delegate to the chapter, and... uh, the nominees have been through a grueling process for months who, who are willing to be considered for election to the team. It's a president and four sisters. And uh, they, part of the process is there's a, always a moment where you can nominate from the floor. No way. <laughs> I you cannot say this. <laughs> so... That's what happened. I was nominated from the floor. I didn't go expecting it. I didn't. I was actually on the committee that was planning the chapter. And uh, so I, you're not even planning on retiring. No. Somebody, you're not even planning to go be no. with the what, what are they called? The Sisters of Mercy America of the Americas of the Americas. <laughs> and someone just nominates you from the floor, and you go, well, okay. And then you get elected. And then I got elected. And then you have to go back and go, y'all, I didn't mean to do so this. So I, how long was, did you It was terrible. I mean, it really was. It was like, oh, my gosh. You know, because it's it's true. But the mount was strong. I mean, I in one way, I knew. How long did it take you to leave? Two months. Oh, two months. I'm or sorry. not even two months, about six weeks, eight weeks. That seems too quick to it replace was, was, somebody like you. Well, you know, God bless. I had a very strong principal at the time. Oh. And um, the school was in good shape. And uh, and I had strong uh, leadership team there at the school. All right. We're going to go to a break. We come back. We'll continue our conversation with Sister Deborah Trollette, past president of Mount St. Mary's Academy and all-girls school in Little Rock, Arkansas. If you're interested, come learn at next week's Love Thy Neighbor annual event. We'll be right back. The Arkansas House of Prayer and the Interfaith Center are hosting the 12th annual Love Thy Neighbor event. This year's theme is Sowing Seeds of Promise, and it's a celebration of peace featuring interfaith prayers, musical performances, and speakers from several of the world's religions. Plan to join us on Thursday, September 8th at St. Mark's Episcopal Church. That's 1000 North Mississippi Street in Little Rock. Event starts at 6 p.m. and it'll also be live streamed on YouTube, youtube.com slash user slash The Interfaith Center. The event is free and it's open to the public There'll be no child care provided, but kids are welcome at this event and masks are encouraged. To learn more about the history of this wonderful event and the two organizations that sponsor it, please log on to either ArkansasHouseOfPrayer.org or TheInterfaithCenter.org. Remember, the event is Thursday, September 8th. 
You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagAndBanner.com. Over 40 years ago, with only $400, Carrie founded Arkansas Flag and Banner. During the last four decades, the business has grown and changed, along with Carrie's experience and leadership knowledge. In 1995, she embraced the internet and rebranded her company as simply FlagAndBanner.com. In 2004, she became an early blogger. Since then, she has founded the nonprofit Friends of Dreamland Ballroom, began publishing her magazine, Brave, and in 2016 branched out into this very radio show, YouTube channel, and podcast. In 2020, Carrie McCoy Enterprises acquired OurCornerMarket.com, an online company specializing in American-made plaques, signage, and memorials for over 20 years, and more recently opened a satellite office in Miami, Florida, telling American-made stories, selling American-made flags, theflagandbanner.com. Back to you, Carrie. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with Sister Deborah Trollett, who is the current ED, Executive Director of the Arkansas House of Prayer, a quiet place for meditation with no agenda or no religious affiliation. So uh, let's talk about this, this, this space. Let's describe it. So yeah. you, it's on the campus of St. Margaret's. Margaret's. It's on like five acres of beautiful wooded area. And when, where do you park and when can you go? And um, Well, you can go uh, Monday through Thursday, 9 to 3. And you just go to the church office, and they'll issue you a little temporary key fob, oh. and that'll give you access if you're a first-time visitor. On the weekends, we, we uh, have volunteers who help us, so it's open from 12 to 4. Again, you can just come. Um, but if you really – we have so many people who just find it as, as exactly what it is, a spiritual haven, place of healing, place of peace, place of nurturing – a place of you know just connecting quiet but if you really find it appealing and just you feel attracted to this in terms of your own spiritual path you can apply for a little key fob so it's 24 7 access then and it's so uh, just, i'm having so i'm having a bad day and yeah. i'm like i've got to find a place a quiet to, place, a quiet place. Yeah. and so i it's it's monday through thursday before three o'clock it's my first time and i pull up to St. Margaret's, mm-hmm. I go in the office. You just say, I'd like to visit the house of prayer. And she gives you... A, and she will give you a little key fob. And you go over there, and there could be somebody in there. Absolutely. That's why the only thing that happens in the house of prayer, you might say, is silence. There's no worship services. There's no chanting. There's no rituals. There's no bells. It's just silence. But that silence... All I can say is the energy and the intentionality of everyone who comes in there, whether they're seeking or whether they're contributing to the silence out of their own spiritual fruit, the fruit of silence is all those things Mother Teresa said, then you get it the minute you walk in. It's like surround silence. Surround silence. (laughs) Is is it round? Yes. It is round. Mm -hmm. And so um, uh, tips for meditating. How long should you meditate? You know, I think you can start with a couple of minutes of quiet. Just yeah, good luck. Five minutes, <laughs> you know. Just just the biggest challenge sometimes is just sit down. Sit down, close your eyes, follow your breath, take a two, few deep breaths, inhale a little deeper each time, exhale a little slower each time. You can start to feel the change. It is a practice. So you take five minutes, mm. you find a quiet time, you, you kind of start to develop your own appetite for silence. It's true, you can be afraid of silence because guess what? When we get quiet, lots of stuff does come. Old memories, old hurts, old things. The commentaries go off, we're remembering this, we're remembering that. Unresolved pains, and, you know, suffering. And in some ways, we just want to flee that. We just want to... Let's just totally distract ourselves with anything we can do outside of ourselves. And, you know, of course, some people say, it, well, this is more an introvert's kind of prayer. But it, but not really. I think what I always like to say, it's uh, one helps the other. But let me just say this, too. There's a lot being written about mindfulness mm-hmm. as a yes, practice. Yes, uh, Huge. I mean, toll. Oh, my gosh. Mindfulness, you put that in Google and explosion, mindfulness. 
Now, it can be just taught as a practice to quiet your mind. And be present. And be present, which is important, and people need it. So I'm not making light of that. Mm -mm. Just the distinction. For Christian meditation, it is about relationship. Oh. It is about a faith relationship. Mm -hmm. So that's the big difference. That's the big difference. That's the big difference. Now, you are completely combined and intertwined with the Interfaith Center, uh, Sophia Saeed. They're sister organizations. They're separate in terms of their 5013C status, you know, but they're both outreach ministries uh, of the Episcopal Diocese. And that is who you are working with to put on Love Thy Neighbor, which uh, Sophia Syed said she founded this event on the 10th anniversary of 9-11 for her Muslim community and Mm -hmm. for all other communities that are scared of Muslims. Exactly. Let's talk about uh, the event. It begins as a peace-oriented service on the grounds of the Arkansas House of Prayer, but it has now moved to uh, St. Mark's. St. Mark's. It outgrew. We outgrew, outgrew St. Margaret's. And, uh, of course, we're so happy that this year we're going to gather in person again. We had two years of virtual because of COVID. So we're just thrilled to be back at St. Mark's. And uh, we've, we always had a com- kind of the community meal. after mm-hmm. the. It's a wonderful combination of prayer, wisdom, music, wonderful music, just uplifting. And always a, a, a very special guest speaker. And then there was the meal, you know. So this year we're going to do that, but we're just going to be very careful. We're going to have box dinners so people can just participate how they're comfortable. And we want to make sure we honor that. So So the Arkansas House of Prayer is just that, Mm www.arkansashouseofprayer.org. And then the Interfaith Center is the same, theinterfaithcenter.org. And there's probably a link to, does it, do you need to apply in advance to let people know you're coming? It's helpful, of course. The Interfaith Center is a little more technologically sophisticated than we are at the House of Prayer. We're working on it. But you can go on their Facebook page, and there's a little RSV button. You can just click that. So it gives us some idea. This this Love Thy Neighbor's name is Sowing Seeds of Promise. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it says in the press release, a celebration of peace featuring interfaith prayers musical performances and speakers from several of the world's religions how long does it go on oh it's not more than an hour oh bring your kids yes kids are wonderful so it's thursday september the 8th yes saint mark's episcopal church on mississippi in little rock arkansas 6 p.m up 6 p.m uh we're gonna it's live streamed Yes, so we've learned in this, that's one of the things we learned with COVID is that people can participate from anywhere, and they did those two years. We had people from different parts of the world joining us, so we don't want to lose that. So it's going to, uh, we'll put it on our website too, it, so if, the, if our listeners can't remember, just go to flagandbanner.com and we'll have links to all this. Just click on radio show, but um, it's youtube.com forward slash user forward slash the interfaith center so you can watch it if you want it's open to the public it's free what can you do free masks are encouraged you know i like wearing masks when i'm in a group yes we totally respect that well your mother's 95 exactly you need to wear a mask (laughs) i know uh, you've got a special guest speaker, Imam Khalid Latif, University Chaplain of New York University, Director of the Islamic Center in New York University. He's worked with New York Police. Princeton University inspired him. He also was featured in Chelsea Clinton's documentary film called Of Many. So he's a big dog. We're blessed to have him, and I attribute this to Sophia. She is uh, an amazing... Sophia Saeed, y'all, is Pakistani. Yeah. Uh-huh. Her interview is absolutely fabulous. The last, before COVID, mm-hmm. in 2019, she came on to talk about this Love Thy Neighbor event she yes. has. She talked about how 9-11 changed her life. Uh-huh. She talked about hijab dresswear. My favorite part of the interview was she talked about arranged marriages oh, that's right uh-huh. and why it works and if 
y'all, I'm all for arrangement. <laughs> yeah, she absolutely got my mother on board. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yeah. It was so good. I was like, okay, we, we got to replay her interview or at least a, a snippet of that because it's a really interesting mm-hmm. um, uh, cultural way that they arrange marriages the interfaith food festival will follow the service that you talked about it's a delicious vegetarian dish prepared and cooked as a box dinner so if you are kind please go to the facebook page and click that you'll be coming so you can be sure and have a meal you can stay on the saint mark's grounds or you can take it home this year's event, Love Thy Neighbor, Sowing Seeds of Promise, a celebration of peace featuring interfaith prayers, musical performances, and speakers from several of the world's religions. Thursday, September the 8th, St. Mark's Episcopal Church in Little Rock on Mississippi. It's live streamed on YouTube. It's free. It's open to the public. Bring your kids, although there will not be child care. Masks are encouraged, and you get a box dinner to go. And we appreciate very much if you would go and to the Facebook page and click that you're attending so we'll make sure and get you a box. Looking back at your life, give me one word to sum up your life. Blessed. Perfect. Sister, I never like to miss the opportunity to get a prayer or a blessing. Are you ready? Oh, sure. Okay. Most gracious God, we thank you for this time that we've shared and the way that you have blessed the lives of all the persons who have tuned in the way you're present the way you manifest in this world of ours that we call our common home we certainly invite your grace upon each person we ask for a deepening capacity to listen to listen to the needs of our world to listen to the needs of one another to listen to your voice as you speak in so many diverse and beautiful ways through so many diverse and amazing persons of faith and persons who are seeking faith or persons who are seeking period so we know you are within it all and we pray this blessing and in thanksgiving amen amen very nice thank you very much sister for coming on i've got a gift for you it's a lot, so here's your here's oh, your good. little I get base. All the flags. You get all these dresses. I'm not oh, even sure what they are. That's Italy, because yes, you've been to Italy. Been Italy. That's Turkey, I think. That's Turkey, That's correct? Because you've been to Turkey. Well, she knows her flags better than I do. So, Sister Deborah, Love the U.S. Is. flag or the Christian flag, in your case, goes in the center. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, well, yeah one you one might or the want other. Yeah. <laughs> it depends on if you're on a nun or not. Uh-huh. I guess I better. If you're military, you'd put the U.S. flag there. But some Christians <laughs> do put the yeah, do prefer well, them. It's, you know I mean, without God, you've got no country. They're all there. Yes. Look at that beautiful. That is that's a awesome. nice spread. Yes, thank <laughs> you've been a few places. Yeah, that's not even all of them. In closing, I'd like to say to our listeners, thank you for spending time with us. We hope you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your independence, your business, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. For links to resources you heard discussed on today's show, go to flagandbanner.com, select radio show, and choose today's guest. If you'd like to sponsor this show or any show, email me, gray, at gray at flagandbanner.com. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week. Stay informed of exciting upcoming guests by subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast wherever you like to listen. Carrie's goal is simple, to help you live the American dream.